You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and Women to Watch Media. It's great to be back in the studio, and I have a guest with me sitting across the table. I'm, I'm so thrilled and honored to have her here with me. Her name is Eileen Scully, and Eileen is a speaker, uh, an author, and the founder of The Rising Tides, and she'll be with me in just a moment to talk about, among other things, her book, um, In the Company of Men, How Women Can Succeed in a World Built Without Them. It's a great title. Thank you. Um, As always, stay with us for our exclusive uh, watch team of on-air contributors from Jefferson Health, Pathways Consulting, and Fortis Wealth, bringing you some valuable information on your health, finance, and technology. And uh, be be sure to stay with us during the breaks to hear from them. Um, In addition, if you're looking to stay in the loop on all things Women to Watch, be sure to go to our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two Watch.net, N-E-T. We're going to have some incredibly exciting news coming up shortly about some new on-air contributors uh, and some new sponsors and our launch in Nashville. So now I'm very excited again to welcome to the show Eileen Scully. Eileen, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Susan. This is great. Listen, I um, I know a little bit about your background, but there's some really wonderful um, nuggets that I think are very defining moments about your own life story. And uh, I always like to start at the beginning. So um, I understand that you were uh, you grew up, I should say, in Connecticut, yep. the one uh, only girl with a couple of siblings, some brothers. And I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about what life lessons uh, you learned at that time. 
Yeah, sure. So again, the only girl, the youngest on my street, which was full of boys, sports, activities, and a lot of it didn't include me, mostly I think because I was so much younger, right? So I have one older brother, but all the other boys are to this day like brothers to me. We're all very, very close. We celebrated two of the boys' 50th all together a couple of years ago. But what I really learned was the differences in the ways that men and women communicate. So from a very early age, you know, I came into this world a very uh, self-assured, outspoken person. And that's the way I communicated with the boys in the neighborhood. And then I went to school and it really helped me understand that girls at that age and as we continue to, to mature are much less direct and much less comfortable being that direct with each other. So I had to learn how to modulate my communication. And I'll be quite honest, I'm much more comfortable being direct with people and saying what I want, saying how I feel and getting hopefully that direct communication back doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting because you're saying to me that it's innate in you, that you had this confidence, um, yet you shared with me before the show that you were adopted. Yeah. And very typically, I would say, where do you think you got that that confidence? Where did that come from? So tell me what, you know, what that, how that has affected you not knowing um, exactly where you did come from, but... sure. The, the upbringing you had with the parents who adopted you. So the the blessing of adoption for me and, of course, for my brother is that we were dropped into quite possibly the most loving, understanding, compassionate, wonderful set of parents, right? So they, you know, we joke that my mother, my brother was adopted first and he was this easy baby. He's still a very easygoing, easy to get along with guy. And I came with a set of instructions from the foster home where I was for the first couple months. And my mother thought, oh, I got this. And it said very clearly, we still have the papers that I had a mind of my own at two or three months old. Wow. So, wow. right. So I thought my you mother, were going to say two or three years old. No, two or three As months old. Yeah. And so my mother read that and said, OK, we'll see. And then it took her about two weeks to figure out, yeah, that foster mother really was right. So she wow. had a challenge. And. I've always been very steadfast. I've always been very strong-willed, and it's been a blessing and a curse, as most of us who have those attributes know. Tell me why a curse. How did, uh, Because as a teenager, when I felt strongly about something, I pushed hard against systems and people that I probably should have learned to back off of. I wasn't always right, and I wasn't always entitled to get my way even though I felt like I should, right? Like every teenager yes. does. Right? Well, um, specifically uh, in a Catholic school, exactly. right? So there's a lot of rules there. So you spent 12 years in Catholic school. I yeah. spent 16. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I understand that. And, um, you know, your book is referring to the fact that the world really was built uh, and run by men, which when I love that because I never thought of it that way. Right. That's so very true. And I think we can both agree that the church was built and run by men. So when you were that little girl, that teenager, were you feeling conflicted by that without really understanding why? Yeah. So I think what I felt was, where's the place for me in this institution that everyone around me is so passionate about? Where, where's the role for me here? Where's my voice in this place? And one of the chapters in my book talks about, um, there's a woman, Carrie Robinson, who is 
quite literally the voice into the Vatican for lay people and predominantly women. And so she's working with the Vatican to bring forward voices of lay people into that space. She's also working with them on the transparency around the sexual abuse crisis and how to have fiscal transparency so people know where their donations are going and also some accountability around the human resources decisions, let's say, that are being made because that's, I think, where the church realizes it's hemorrhaging some of its members. So Mm. it's an institution that I grew up in and around. I also sent my daughter to Catholic school for the first eight years of her life. And I still struggle with it because I'm not sure that there's a place where women are heard on an equal basis. I think that's true. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to jump ahead because one of my questions was about your own faith, spirituality. Sure. I always am interested in what kind of guides people and what keeps them grounded and unafraid. So how would you describe your faith today? Yeah, so I think it's like most Catholics of my generation, it's been adapted to suit my life and my lifestyle. But any of us that go through major personal crises, you either get better in touch with your faith or you completely abandon it, depending on on how you're grounded. And there have been times in my life that that has been that relationship that I believe I have with a higher power has been what pulled me through. Mm. Um, You mentioned a daughter. Yeah. And um, a defining moment in your life really was um, discovering you were pregnant in college and um, and then having to leave. So I had a couple questions around that. I wanted to know if you had the support of your family at that time. And did you go back to school? And, and really, what was the greatest challenge? And I hear we're going to be going into sure. our first break. So we'll pick up on that when we come back. There's a lot to say. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Stay with us for our Health Watch. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now. Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. The coronavirus. In late December, a cluster of pneumonia cases were found in Wuhan, a city in China. By late January, thousands of cases reported, now more than 170 deaths, with the daily count rising. The outbreak has spread to other cities in China and other countries, including the U.S. There have been no deaths outside of China. Coronaviruses, a large family of viruses, common in many different animal species, including camels, cattle, cats, bats, maybe even snakes. Initially, the virus was associated with a seafood market that sold live rabbits, snakes, etc., where most patients worked. Then other cases in patients who did not visit the market and in healthcare workers suggested person-to-person transmission. You may remember SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, outbreak in 2003, a different coronavirus. Symptoms fever, coughing, shortness of breath. 
One of the problems is the long incubation, up to 14 days, so a patient who has been exposed can spread the virus and not know for almost two weeks. Good news, five cases in the U.S., all are in stable condition, all had traveled recently to Wuhan. Now, all patients coming to the U.S. from Wuhan are routed to one of five airports and screened. Some viruses are highly contagious, like measles. Others, less so. While the Center for Disease Control feels it's a serious public health threat, based on current info, the immediate health risk from the 2019 novel coronavirus in general American public is considered low. The CDC says avoid non-essential travel to China. If you do have to go, avoid the markets. Then follow the same tips we apply to the flu. Avoid sick people hugging and kissing. When you cough or sneeze, cover your mouth and nose and throw away the tissue. Wash your hands often, at least 20 seconds. Don't touch your face with unwashed hands. Don't share cups, eating utensils, towels, or bedding. And for you Corona beer lovers, no worries, no connection. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 If you're just joining us, I'm having a wonderful conversation with Eileen Scully. Uh, she is a speaker, author, and founder and CEO of The Rising Tides. And we will be talking about what exactly that is and the book. Um, but just before the break, we were talking about, again, a, a very um, important defining moment in your life in college, finding out that, that you were pregnant. Tell me about that time. Who was there supporting you? And, and what was the scariest you know, part of that? Yeah. So I think the scariest part of it was the actual realization that this was happening. And the my daughter's father was someone that I was dating in college, but not with any serious intent. And when I told him, his response was, well, do you want to get married? And I said, someday, but not to you, because I knew that wasn't going to be a solid grounding for us. You ask about my parents, and I said earlier in the program that I was dropped into the most loving, unconditional family. And it was hard, you know, uh, really, really hard to tell them, really hard for them to wrap their heads around what was going to happen. and. They could not be closer or more adoring to not only my daughter, but my brother's children now. And, you know, they they lead everything with love and Mm -hmm. they they honor each other. They honor all of us. And there is absolutely nothing that any of us could do that my parents wouldn't forgive and bring us through. Except, so, yeah, and yeah. They're, uh, hopefully we do the same for them. But so, what did you do then? You you had to leave college. And yeah. by the way, was that nursing school? Because I know at no, one time this yeah. was before. This was before. Okay. This was when I had just left high school and started university. You know, like all the kids in Catholic school are trained to do. You go on to university, four year school. And I believe was it business you were going to? I would. This was Hofstra University, and I was in without going into. Too many details. I was in a progressive humanities program. So my goal at that time was, and I'm not kidding you, was to be a traveling photojournalist to just take a camera around the world and tell everybody's stories. So like the National Geographic model was my dream since I was about 13. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the goal then. So so I withdrew, uh, came home, and that's when I had to figure out now what, how am I going to support this child and this life that I've chosen and that's when I started nursing school and I was there for probably 18 months all in. And I worked in the hospital and was very familiar with all of the, let's say, the protocols and the nomenclature. 
And then I started getting into clinical nursing and I realized this is just not for me. This is this is for someone with a much more altruistic approach to life than <laughs> I have. And anyone who's in nursing, I give them so much credit because mm. it is a thankless, difficult, physically demanding job and just wasn't going to work. So that was another frightening moment for me where I had to think, OK, now what? Right. And back Pivot then again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what are my actual marketable skills? So I started scanning the want ads back then, you know, it was in the back sheets of the paper, the newspaper that came to the door every night. And I found an ad for a marketing secretary. And I hardly knew what marketing meant at the time, but I applied and I got hired and I that started my corporate career. So. So what was it about corporate that was appealing to you because you've actually stated, you know, you you were trying the nursing route and probably thinking this is a good thing for me to do and I'll, you know, it'll bring in some money. Um, But it wasn't the right fit. What is it about corporate that excited you? You know, I think it was, um, for me, the nursing was two or three years of education that I could do simultaneously with working and a very flexible schedule. With corporate, it was no cap on my earnings. It was the ability to get into something and learn different things that could be marketable across a number of industries. And I started to realize that nursing was a little bit limiting in that way. Mm, right. So, right. But I say that I got this job and I had never really used a computer before. I had never, you know, the, the woman who interviewed me, who is still, God bless her, she's a dear friend of mine. She said, well, how many words a minute do you type? And I had no idea. I didn't know what that meant. So she hired me. It all worked out, but I I really was like a sponge. So that, for me, was the equivalent of university. It was just learn everything you can and make yourself marketable. So when I look at your career, um, you, you know, you started there, but then you did a lot of different things, and you worked in research and marketing. Um, You had a stint as a wine broker. You were in sales, communications, and then in 2018, you ended up giving a TED Talk, which is awesome. Um, and then you finally came around and you wrote your book and you founded The Rising Tides. So when I look at that as a whole, I wanted to ask you, do you feel as though you were searching that whole time for your place, your your Yeah, so I purpose? think the, the answer to that is, I'll say it's two-pronged. So I think as women, we're all sort of trying to find what's that place where I am the most valued and someone will be willing to pay me top market rates for that value. Mm -hmm. And it's a challenge for a lot of us to really truly find that when we're in our prime of our career. The other piece of it is just very practical. I had to have a job to support this kid if I was going to educate her and, you know, be able to provide a life for her. When I decided to be a parent, I committed to myself and I committed to her non-verbally that no one was ever going to pity her for being the child of a single parent. I wanted that to be invisible. I didn't want anybody attaching that to her as a marker through her life. Mm -hmm. And it always pleased me. I mean, call it a vanity project, but it pleased me when people were surprised that I had raised her on my own. Wow. So. So. What, what what would you say comes to mind immediately as the toughest part of being a single mom? Uh, probably when they're, and my kid's a good kid. I always say you get clay when you have kids and you mold the clay that you get. I got really good clay with this kid. <laughs> no, I really did. I mean, like, again, if there's a high power, they knew oh. what they were doing. She was just amazing. But when they're from 
10 to 14, you really don't like them. They're really detestable creatures. And they don't really like you. Right. right? (laughs) So for me, it was not having a partner that I could say, just do this. Mm. Just give me 12 hours. I'm going to go stay at the Marriott down the street. You handle this for 12 hours. Again, I'm blessed. My parents were always very available and very willing to help out. And they did. And they saved both of our lives. Were you still living? Very close. Yeah. 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 So and without them, I'm not sure how either of us would have survived all of it because there were just times you need space from. Yes. From these kids who you adore, but you don't like very much. So that was it was the day to day. The the big stuff. At a certain point, I felt like I had it covered. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You did what was intuitive to you. Yeah. 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 And you did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go into our next break. Uh, I'm talking with Eileen Scully, the founder and CEO of The Rising Tides. Stay with us for our Finance Watch. We'll be right back. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Hi, this is Terry. And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. On January 1st, 2020, the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, also known as the SECURE Act, took effect. So Maggie, remind me again why this new legislation is important. Well, the purpose is to encourage individuals to save more for retirement and to motivate businesses to offer retirement plans. And it can impact current and new plans. Right. So we covered the impact on individuals in an earlier segment. So how would it affect businesses? So many small businesses do not or are not able to offer retirement plans to their employees due to startup and administration costs. The SECURE Act offers increases to the tax credit of $500 up to $5,000 to offset the cost of setting up a new retirement plan. The credit is available for the initial three years after the plan is put in place. Also, unrelated small businesses can now form a multiple employer plan to share in the cost of forming and administering a plan. Well, that sounds good. Are there other changes? In most cases, only full-time employees have been eligible to participate and benefit from company-sponsored plans. Now, part-time employees who have worked at least 500 hours per year for three consecutive years will be allowed to participate beginning in 2024. Another significant change is that employers are being encouraged to offer annuities as a funding option. So why is this important? Annuities can offer benefits and guarantees for lifetime income that other investments cannot. If you need more guaranteed income than your social security will provide, you may want to consider an annuity as one of your payout options at retirement. There is also a new disclosure requirement. The plan sponsor must provide an annual estimate to all employees of the lifetime monthly income that their account is expected to produce. The employer can't be held liable for any of the projections, but having the information can be a place to start when you are trying to determine if you have enough safe for retirement. Consult with your financial advisor to see if you are able to take advantage of the changes offered by the SECURE Act. And happy Groundhog Day. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. Eileen, I want to talk to you about your TED Talk. Um, how did the opportunity come to you? Um, and really, what was the why did you want to do it? Yeah, so in my space, when you're trying to establish yourself, 
as a thought leader in a segment, everyone will tell you two things you need to do, or you need to write a book and you need to do a TED Talk. I have a very good friend, Stan Phelps, who's been very successful publishing and speaking all around the world. And he's been an advisor to my business. And when I first launched my consulting firm in 2015, that's what he said. Write a book, do a TED Talk. And he has a whole prescription on how you can land a TED Talk and find the right audience. So I was, okay, I'll do that at some point. I was invited in early 2018. This lovely woman from Tunisia found me online and invited me to speak at a women in engineering conference, the first of its kind in Tunisia. And I said, okay, let's, let's do that. What did she, I'm sorry. I don't want to, what did she see about you that she wanted you? What was the topic? Why did she want you there? Excellent question. Um, Tunisia, as you know, has been going through a huge metamorphosis and establishing a democracy. And the women in Tunisia are so supported by their government, right? It's an Arabic country, but they have high education rates. They have high literacy rates. They have low birth rates, meaning women are getting into careers and waiting to have children. So they really wanted someone from the U.S. to come in and give them sort of the aspirational view of this is what's possible and this is what's probable for all of you. Yeah. So from there, they were promoting me on their agenda. That was going to be in August of 2018. I got a call from someone who said, would you like to come back to Tunisia in September and deliver a TED talk? And I thought, is this a crank call? Like, is this a scam? Like, what? <laughs> how is this even possible? Should I get on a plane? <laughs> right? And it was a little crazy. So I'm, I did my whole, as much as you can possibly do on your own, I did my whole vetting of, yeah, this is real. Well, it was sponsored by a major manufacturing firm in a city called Sfax, which is the second. So think of Boston to New York, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the smaller of the major cities in Tunisia, which is 11 million people. They wanted to establish Tunisia and Sfax specifically as this innovative, thought-provoking, wonderful spot for people to come and visit and land their manufacturing. So they invited me to do this TED Talk. It was outstanding. So the TED Talk's title, and you can find it on YouTube, is the subtitle of my book, How Women Can Succeed in a World Built Without Them. Now, what I didn't know when I agreed to do this was... In the time since I signed the contract and when I arrived, Tunis, the capital city of Tunisia, had elected their first female mayor. So there was all of this energy around Mm -hmm. women in Tunisia. So I ended up speaking last. They wanted me to be the last person on the TED stage after all the other presenters. And we just brought it home. We just talked about all the wonderful things that women can and should and are doing. And for me, it was so powerful because so many brilliant young women came up to me after the talk and said, you described the woman I want to be. And now I have this wonderful group of women from Tunisia, from all over the country who follow me, who write to me and communicate with me when things are going on. And it's, it's a wonderful group and I can't wait to see what these women are going to be doing in 10 more years. So tell me how you first recognized that the world was built, you know, yeah. by men. So we, you know, we talk all the time on the show about um, why we think women leadership is important. But I want to know, when did it first dawn on you? You know what? This is why I'm feeling this way. 
Yeah. I was probably probably in my late 20s when my career really started taking off and I started looking at what were the power structures and what were my opportunities to actually advance into positions of power and what were the things that were going to hold me back. So you were that was a goal for you. You thought, I, I don't well, want to stay here. I really want to. I, I wanted to up. understand it. Right. Yeah. So what were those opportunities? And in the companies that I worked in, I learned I worked and reported to mostly white men, and they were the ones who were running these companies. I will say, with very few exceptions, I got wonderful opportunities from those men, too. They saw potential in me. They pushed me, and they, they put me in positions that tested me and that challenged me, which really helped me grow. I think the one thing that always held me back was not having my degree. That was more of an inhibitor. Of course, 20 years ago, it was more of a a requirement than a lot of places are looking at it now, certainly. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but it's, you look at who built the laws, right? So there's never been a law that has excluded the white heterosexual man. There have been laws that have excluded every single category of people outside of that group. And that's when we talk about it. The cover of my book is the image of a men's room with two high heels sitting outside of it. And it's a very specific story about the first female executive that was promoted at CBS television in the early 70s. When they moved her office up to the other executives, there was no women's room and there was no lock on the men's room door. So she learned to leave her heels outside of the men's room door to let them know she was in there. So it's an actual physical structure that was built without the thought that women would mm. ever need to access it. What a great That's example. That's what I'm talking of, about. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to mention in 2016, you were invited by the Obama administration to participate in the United States, the United State of Women. And first, when you receive that invitation, you know, that that means that you are recognizable and your reputation is preceding you and people see and respect the work that you're doing. What did that mean to you? And then I'd love to hear about, you know, what has come about from that group. It was uh, 5,000 working on that particular campaign. Yeah, so it was a a global group. Everyone there was literally from all over the the globe or working on global issues. I had been nominated to go, and so you have no idea how many people are nominated. And I got this email, and again, I thought, is this a hoax? Like, did this, I had, hoax, yeah. right? I had only launched my business a year before and it came through and I was invited to go and I, I literally was fell out of my at, chair. Was the book? At, no, no, it came in not there. at okay. all. Yeah. Okay. This was all nascent. So I got it. And of course I didn't even hesitate. I clicked, yes, I'm coming immediately. And I was like, I'll figure it all out and ended up going with um, another woman who's a very good friend of mine who works uh, on a women and children's Uh, community fund in the New Haven area. And we went together number of different women that I know from my life or that I had gotten to know since launching this business were also there. So it was magical. I mean, for all of us that were there, we tracked back to it daily. I think the energy in that room. What a wonderful experience. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our last break. I'm speaking with Eileen Scully, the founder and CEO of the Rising Tides and stay with us for our tech watch. We'll be right back. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. 
Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Women in technology, where are you? Having been in the tech industry for over 30 years, it's a question I've asked myself often. In our own business in the past, we've had challenges finding women candidates to play roles, so it's with great pleasure that I announce that in the last 18 months, we've grown our female staff by 125%. This is absolutely exciting news. These women play a variety of roles, business analysts, quality testing, and developer. Even individuals within our company who have no technical background are now looking into technical skills that they can add to the resume. Caitlin, who's our social media coordinator, has registered for a fall class at Rutgers for coding boot camp. And Kristen, who's our HR generalist, is looking into the potential of taking a coding boot camp or possibly the role of quality testing. This is music to my ears, and I applaud them. Both Caitlin and Kristen recognize the future that technology will play and the opportunities that will be available to them by adding these skill sets. They're embracing the impact that technology will have in the workforce. I encourage and congratulate them on their forward thinking. So why does this matter? Because like everything else, without diversity or inclusion, technology creation gets slanted and doesn't take everyone into consideration. Imagine the technology we build only serving a part of our population, but not the rest. Did you know that a lack of women in technology can lead to a decrease in performance and profits, creating a missed opportunity for businesses? Research performed by Morgan Stanley indicates that greater gender diversity in technology positively impacts a business's bottom line. So I leave you with this. Ensuring that there's a good balance of women leading and working in the workplace just makes for good business. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Thanks so much for being with us for another week of Women to Watch. I'm speaking with Eileen Scully, and I wanted to ask you, I know that some of the work that you've done has been working with leaders and uh, people in companies, Fortune 500s, and, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these companies are checking the box to say, yes, we care about diversity. We are creating initiatives for our women to be able to rise to C-suites. I wanted to know what you say um, to people to help them understand why it really matters and have it be more than just checking a box. Right. So a lot of what we've seen is there's been a lot of attention paid to what are the positions that women hold of power in different organizations. So in California, they've started this mandate that any publicly traded company has to have one woman on their board. It's going up to two you know, in the next two years. So there's going to be some more visibility on who's leading these companies. And there's been so much research that's come out in the last two to three years about the exponential profitability that a company has when they have, not only on their board or their executive team, when their entire universe of employees is diverse, when every product decision 
is made with a diverse team. Mm -hmm. When every sales team is approaching a sales opportunity from a diversity standpoint. And when I say that, I mean, we have people who are military veterans. We have people who learn at different speeds and different ways. We have people who have different physical abilities, not all of which are visible to us. Understanding and planning around and for that is what makes companies be much more relevant to their marketplace. We've seen in the last year that Amazon has brought on two women of color to their board of directors, which previously was all white. That's a huge response to their shareholders who came out and said, we want you to be more diverse. Your customers are everybody on the planet. You need to represent that. And to their credit, they listened to it and they found two highly capable, stunning women. And, you know, here's the truth of it. Two things that I always think about. Isn't it so much more interesting Exactly. Right. To have all these different thoughts of and you're we're always learning then from people from different backgrounds, different cultures. And the se- second thing is we are organically, naturally moving to a diverse society. Definitely. Right. So. Definitely. So that is, you know, we have to be creating and developing and innovating things that are going to align with that. One of the, the main things that I talk about when I work with companies now is recasting what does it mean to mentor somebody, right? So instead of just saying, oh, we have this great mentoring program and we have this algorithm that assigns people, that's great. Keep that in place. Don't dismantle that. But I challenge the companies that I work with to focus on sponsoring people, right? So that means if I'm the person who has more experience or more power or whatever that that capital is in the organization, I share that with the person I'm bringing up and through with me. And I also encourage people to do that for someone who doesn't look like you, someone who didn't grow up like you, someone who doesn't remind you of your younger self, because that's infinitely more powerful. Right. And move will help to move things a little bit more quickly. Exactly. Um, I want to share a quote. You said, be truthful and transparent in your narrative, which I just love the sound of that, just meaning kind of your own story and journey as you're going through life. Otherwise, people will fill in the blanks for you. Yeah. Give give our listeners an example of what you mean by that. Yeah. So we started this segment, this interview, talking about me leaving college because I was pregnant. When I would interview for different jobs, I would be intentionally vague about why I left college, why I didn't have my degree. I would say I had to deal with some family matters. And a very astute friend of mine said, When you do that, they figure out what they think is true. They don't know what's true. He said, you tell them that you left college because you were pregnant, because you decided to be a parent. If they then decide not to hire you, at least they're doing it from a place of truth. And I thought, that's such great advice. So all of us have those things we don't want to talk about in positions where we have no power or we feel vulnerable. And I think if you step into it and you say, this is exactly who I am. And because I'm a college dropout, teenage single mother, I'm going to work harder than a lot of the people because I need this job in a different way than a lot of other people around me. Step right into that and and let people then decide who they are in relation to you. Right. And and I, you know, people will use the phrase own it. Right. So own. And I don't know that women in particular understand how powerful 
the truth of their story is. Yep. So the fact that that was a hurdle for you, but you showed up. You well, wanted... it took me years, though. Yeah. Okay, but that yeah. would right those. That is the right thing to do, rather than pretend you or your life story is something else. Right. And right. that's a lot about, you know, what this show is about. Um, one of the things you do in your free time is you volunteer as a photographer. You talked about your love yeah. of photography at the top of the show. My daughter's a photographer, so right. I loved hearing about that. And it would be her dream job to go around the world, you know, for right. National Geographic. Um, and you volunteer with the Special Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I, I do Special Olympics in Connecticut. And there's another uh, refugee resettlement group that I do photography work for. And you know, for me, I have so little free time, but photography is such a, a wonderful outlet for me. And I can take a couple hours and just be in that space, in that creative space and produce something beautiful. And it means so much to me to just capture these faces of these athletes and the families watching the athletes in the stands and doing their events and getting their medals. And it's, it's so joyful. Oh, Isn't my God. It, if event, you've never that- been to... And opening ceremonies for a Special Olympics event, go, because you will never be the same. It's well, magic. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me two two things. Let's talk about the book. And I want to give the listeners an understanding of what they will find reading it. Sure. So the book is telling stories of women in very male-dominated spaces who are changing that space from the inside. So I have a woman in the Catholic Church who I referenced earlier. I have a woman in the NFL. I have a woman in venture capital. I have a woman in Hollywood. So many more. I have nine stories. Those will help you understand when you're in those situations and you feel like you're the minority and there's no space for you, take what these women have done and try to manifest that in your own life because they're incredibly inspiring and diverse. And the rising tides. What does that encompass? So that's consulting work. So okay. when we go, I, it's sort of my umbrella over everything. But okay. when we go in and we do deeper dive consulting workshops with companies to help understand some of this mentor sponsor stuff, we do it as the rising tides. Okay. And lastly, future aspirations, yeah. anything that's in the works? Um, Other than retirement on the Mediterranean? Oh, I mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good to right. me. Right. I wanted to, you know, what is your sweet spot? Speaking, writing, It's becoming advising. more speaking now because okay. the book has brought in a lot of inbound interest in having me come and do keynotes to not just women's events, like all different events, because my stuff talks to how everyone can participate in making the world of work work better for everybody. Yeah, it's terrific. Listen, I'm so grateful that you came in to share part of your story. And um, we will be sharing your book and, and your website and all the things that you're doing with our listeners. So thank, thank you, so you Eileen. This was great. Thank you, Susan. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Be sure to visit our website at womentowatch.net uh, for some upcoming announcements and to see our lineup of who's coming on the show. And as always, a big thank you to our sponsors and our watch team for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.